This is Reflections of the Lighthouse, a podcast sharing the hope of the gospel for those struggling with life-altering addictions. If you'd like more information about the Lighthouse and the services they provide, visit biblicallliferecoverycenter.com. And now, here are your hosts, Brandon Bauer and Dwayne Maudlin. Welcome to Reflections of the Lighthouse. I'm Pastor Brandon, and I'm here with Dwayne Maudlin talking about God's sovereignty in adversity. But I have to say, Dwayne, you were out the last time we did recording, and yeah. and Elizabeth stepped in. Not only did she do an amazing job, she was much prettier than you are. Well, I would expect you to say that, brother. So you can um, be sick anytime. I was recording. I I wasn't sick. I was on vacation. Uh, okay. I don't remember, bud. <laughs> I just know I had a good time with her. Good. Um, he doesn't ever have a good time with me. God's sovereignty and adversity. So there's this verse that a lot of times gets taken out of context. Yes. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, yes. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. So let's talk about that. Um, well, you have to set up the context. You have to start in verse 4, where Jeremiah is beginning to prophesy under inspiration of the Lord, Israel has gone into captivity in Babylon, getting ready to go in. And Jeremiah is actually telling them to pray for the peace of the city, to build your houses, live your lives, marry, have kids, do these things in the middle of your suffering, in the middle of your hardship in Babylon. Just know that this is my plan. And I know what I'm doing, and you can trust me through this. So so how do people use it out of context? A, a, a lot of people think that uh, they're going to quote this text. God knows the plans he has for me to prosper me and, and, and give me a hope and a future. Um, he was telling the people of Israel this because they were in the middle of adversity. They were in the middle of struggle. They were in the middle of suffering. And they were going to suffer for 70 years, the text says. And they did. They suffered for 70 years in the captivity in Babylon. Um, we use it um, as a feel-good text. God's going to make sure nothing bad happens in my life, but the preceding text says uh, bad things are going to happen, Israel. Uh, they're part of my plan because you've refused to listen to me. And now there's discipline coming. But in the discipline, in the adversity, I'm not going to destroy you. For sure, for sure. And and we find a lot of people take verses out of context to fit what they want. Yeah. So if we're talking about God's sovereignty and adversity— how would you define sovereignty? God's in absolute control, even of the good, the bad, and the ugly of life, that he is ultimately in charge of my life. So we see this a lot in Genesis. Yes. Uh, Genesis 2 talks about how God planted a tree of knowledge in the garden. Mm -hmm. He set the rules about how Adam and Eve were to live. Yes. What they were to do, what they were not to do. But in his foreknowledge, he knew what they were going to choose. Absolutely. And he knew that adversity would come. Mm -hmm. And he had a plan for that. Yeah, he did. Uh, an amazing plan. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But um, God allowed sin to bring a curse on all mankind. 
Why? Well, ultimately, his glory would be displayed in a powerful way in the fact that God would become incarnate. He would dwell among us, and we would behold his glory. The invisible God would become visible to humanity in the person of Jesus Christ um, was the ultimate plan. The scripture says before the foundations of the world were ever created, the lamb was already slain. Hmm. The plan was already made. God's sovereign will will was already set in motion through even before creation. So a lot of people say that, and I think bad theology, that that God created the world, had a plan for the world, and let it go, and doesn't have his hand in things anymore. That would be deist. Um, God just stepped away. But that's not true. God is intimately involved. Uh, theologically, we talk about God's transcendence, that he is above all, he is greater than all, but yet... Scripture also presents God as imminent, that he is close, right? Mm -hmm. And and this is displayed no better than, again, in the person of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, as you know, we're going in the Christmas season, God with us. Not only is God with us in Christ, but God is for us in Christ. What an amazing promise. Yeah. Yeah. So nothing happens apart from his purpose and his plan. Amen. That's a, that's a big thought. I want to break it down by looking at the, the life of Job. Oh, yeah. God's sovereignty was displayed in Job's life through his adversity. Yeah. Uh, in the book of Job, we see that Job was blameless, upright, and that he feared God. Now, this doesn't mean Job was perfect. Correct. Because no one's good but God. Jesus made that clear. But Job's heart was to follow God and to submit to God's sovereignty in his life. So here was Job, a godly man. Satan looked at Job and said, he's got it all going on. God favors him. So let's let's tempt him. Well, let's go back a little bit. Okay. It was God that pointed out Job to this Satan character, the Satan in Hebrew. It was God that pointed out, have you considered my servant Job? And then this figure says, I can, nobody can touch him because you have a hedge of protection around him. No one is able to do anything to Job. And then Satan asked God's permission to test Job. And God gives permission. And in one day, Job loses his kids. He loses his wealth during that time. Livestock was your wealth. He lost all of that. He lost his barns. He lost his home. Job lost everything in one day. And then God gives permission to the Satan to touch Job's body. And he ends up with boils all over his body. And he's in sackcloth and ashes, and he's 
in pain. And a lot of times we love to pick on Job's wife who comes up and says, Job, just curse God and die. But she lost all of her children. Mm -hmm. She lost all of her wealth. She lost her home. And now she's witnessing her husband in absolute agony and pain. And I think the interesting part is their heart condition or their perspective. Yeah. Job trusted God. Yes. Job knew that God had a plan for him. Absolutely. And the text proves that his wife didn't. Yeah, but you got to understand she's suffering and she wants her husband's suffering to end as well. And sometimes in our suffering, we don't see God's hand. No. Like Job's wife. Yes. Job 23.10 says this, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Job knew that the testing from God was going to create purity in his life. Yeah. God doesn't give us adversity, struggles, temptations without a plan. Yeah, he's not arbitrary in his planning. Um, suffering has a purpose. Um, that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes and to think about and to walk through. Especially when you're suffering. Yeah, I, I, I think about Job. It, at the end, he has all these questions for God. Why? You know, and, and we have these questions. And there's nothing wrong with asking why. But we have to ask the wise in the right heart, um, not accusing God, right? Sometimes we ask those wise in an accusatory manner, accusing God of doing something wrong in our lives. This this isn't Job's purpose, but God comes to Job and says, brace yourself like a man. Tomorrow I'm going to come speak with you. And God comes, and he never answers one of Job's questions. Mm. He asked Job some questions. He says, can you measure the depths? Can, can you measure the universe? God says, I can do it with the palm of my hand. Can, can you hold the dust of the earth in a basket? All these strange questions, right, for Job. But the heart of it was, Job, even if I did answer your questions, you couldn't fathom all of my purposes. Your brain isn't big enough to hold that. I am, my ways are so much higher than your ways. If I did explain it, Job, you couldn't understand all the wise. So God used Job's testing for his eternal purpose. Yeah. So we have the book of Job as a testament to suffering, probably the, the greatest text on suffering in yes. Scripture. And if you look at it in hindsight, and things are always easier in hindsight. Yes. How many people have have been able to stand through suffering because of Job? A lot of people. One I think of is a guy named Horatio Spafford, who penned the song "It Is Well." Um, Horatio Spafford went through some awful suffering. Uh, his son died. Then the great Chicago fire, and he was a businessman and lawyer in Chicago. He lost all of his businesses, couldn't grieve his son, and had to rebuild his businesses. And then after that takes place, uh, him and his wife, and he had some daughters, were going to go over to the U.K. because D.L. Moody, one of his good friends, was over there preaching. 
um, something pops up and in one of his businesses, he has to stay back to take care of that. He sends his wife and his girls on. Well, on the trip uh, over, a sh- another ship hits their ship. Um, all the girls die except for the, uh, his wife. On the way over, he finally gets on the ship and heads over to meet his wife. He pins the song around the place uh, that his daughters drown. It is well. It is well. It is well with my soul. I think Horatio Spafford probably looked to Job in those moments. God used Job's suffering to to comfort many. Yeah. Job didn't see that at that time. No. But he was faithful. Yes. And he trusted God. We've seen, you and I both have history with addiction and, and yeah. pain and struggles. We've seen God's merciful hand in those sufferings. Yeah. And how God has used our stories to help others. Yes. Our sufferings. Yes. And while we were in those struggles, it wasn't fun. We probably didn't see the big picture. I know I didn't. I didn't. But I knew God knew, and I knew God loved me. And that pulled me through a lot. Mm-hmm. But but talking about how God is in control of every adversity we have, it it gives us hope. Mm-hmm. God gives us um, some promises in suffering. Mm-hmm. Like in Romans 8, 28, it says this, and we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, the qualifier there is that love God mm-hmm. and are called according to his purpose. Those are the ones that all things work together for good. Yes. yes. All things. Bad, the good, and the ugly of life. Even the dark, dark things. Yes. God has a plan. Um, it's a, it's It's relieving. It's hopeful. It it deals with our anxiety and depression when we know that God is in control. Mm-hmm. He works these things for our good and His good. Yeah, and it is for amazing. for His glory and our good. He works it out. I don't know how He does that. If any of our listeners today can figure that out, uh, please let us know how God can do all things for his glory and our good at the same time. For sure. It it is something we'll find out in heaven. Amen. But we know the truth's there, and we've seen it happen. Mm -hmm. Does this mean there's going to be a Cinderella ending for everyone who suffers? No, I think about the apostles themselves. I think about the prophets in the Old Testament. Some of them died horrible deaths. Paul was beheaded. Peter crucified upside down. Um, you have Christians in the early church who died as martyrs for the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. When we have an eternal perspective mm-hmm. on our suffering, that our suffering isn't the end of the story, right? This life isn't the end of the story. Um, I think we have hope. Our hope is, right, one day we will see Jesus mm-hmm. face to face and we'll be changed in a moment. We'll be made like him. 
right? And, and there will be no more tears. There will be no more suffering. Everything wrong will be made right because of Christ, and he will rule and reign with his people. So we talked about God knowing all things. Mm-hmm. God knows our suffering. God knows our hurt. God knows our pain. God is also present in our pain and our hurt. That eminence, God yes. with us. A, a technical term, omnipresent. Yeah. We don't suffer alone. No. We may think we do. It feels like it. Yeah. But our Savior who loves us, who sent a son to die for us, who 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 had this cosmic plan from the foundations of the earth, yep. is with us through our suffering. Yes. And we see some amazing sufferers in history. I think of people like Corey Ten Boom. Yeah. Who who thanked God for fleas because they protected her. Yep. Um, during the Holocaust, during evil times, uh, I think about the martyrs who were beheaded, who who looked out and saw their families. Yes. God is with us through yeah. our suffering. I think about a guy named Polycarp, who was probably a disciple of the Apostle John, around 80 years old. Um, believe he was a bishop in Smyrna, who Rome says, we're going to kill you. The city says... We're going to kill you. He was loved in the city, and they told him, recant Christ, and um, so we can spare you. He says, for 80-some years, Christ has not done me wrong. Neither shall I do him wrong. And then they burned him. But the moment he breathed his last, he was standing with Christ. Another thing that God promises us is strength in suffering. In our weakness, he is strong. Paul talks about how how God uses his weaknesses for, for strength. Yeah. And we say this often on this podcast, but... We know there are dark, deep hurts out there. Yes. We know there's things that, that, that people are struggling with deeply. But we also know that God uses those things for his glory. And they're good. Yes. And gives us strength while we're suffering through those things yes. to get through them, to rely on Christ, to glorify him, and then to share that message of strength yeah. with others. Here's the big one, to rely on Christ. It's amazing stuff. So we know there are people hurting, and we know they're struggling. Mm -hmm. If you would like to talk to someone at the Lighthouse, please reach out to us. Our phone number is 260-255-6413, or you can always visit our website at biblicalliferecoverycenter.com. There's even a section on our website that says, send a prayer request. Yes. People don't realize, but we pray for every single one of those prayer requests. Yes, we do. And um, we would love to connect with you. If nothing else, to pray with you, maybe point you to some support in your community. That's all the time we have today. But thank you for listening to Reflections of the Lighthouse. I'm glad you're back, Dwayne. Yeah. I look forward to uh, next week's podcast, which is God's ultimate control. Amen.